This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Task Delegator, a new tool to help you automate, delegate, and eliminate tasks so you can achieve the double win. Download it for free at leadtowin delegator. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And we're going to talk about something that might be really relevant to where you are after a busy holiday season and maybe just a busy start to the new year. Today, we're going to be talking about resetting after a busy season. Okay, Megan, I've got to start with a true confession. Okay, I can't wait. Okay, so as you know, on December the 30th, we did Best Year Ever Live. So this year it was virtual Normally we do it in a live setting and we have, you know, several hundred people there. This time we had 2,000 people there. Right. But as you also know, it's a huge amount of work to get ready for that. Right. So one of the things at Michael Hyde and Company that we preach and believe is what we call the double win, which is winning at work and succeeding at life. So we don't like it when we find it in ourselves or in our clients when we're so busy at work that we have no margin for the things that matter even more, like our health, our most important relationships, and so forth. So I got terribly out of balance in December. So in the run-up or the lead-up to best year ever, I was working weekends. I was working nights. I was the poster child for the anti-double win. Right. And that's not your normal, but it became your temporary normal there. It became my temporary normal. So I, I, I think where I want to start today is just to to acknowledge that there are those seasons yeah. when we go out of balance, yeah. right? So, it, and, and I can think of a lot of examples, and I'm sure you can too, but for example, you're starting a new business, or maybe you're finally writing that book that you've wanted to write, or maybe you adopted a new baby, or maybe you just built a new house and you're trying to move in and do all the things of getting settled like our friend Amy's doing right now. You know, there's just, it could be any number of things. Mm-hmm. Here's the key though. The problem is not when we go out of balance. The problem is when we convince ourselves that it's only temporary. Now, and and what I want to say is I think we should always be suspicious of that claim because if we're not careful, we deceive ourselves and we deceive our family so much so that early in my career, I lied to your mom, my wife, sequentially, because I would say, okay, honey, as soon as I get acclimated to this new job, I'll get back into balance right. and give you and the girls the time you deserve. Or And then, then I'd lose somebody on my staff and I'd say, look, I'm covering for two people right now. As soon as I rehire this position, it'll snap back into balance. And so one temporary situation bled into another temporary situation, into another situation. And before long, what I thought was temporary and convinced myself was temporary have become a permanent way of being. Yeah, well, that's really easy to have happen. And I think it sounds like from your story, instead what happened for you is you realize, hey, whoa, this is out of balance. This is a warning sign. This is not an indicator that something is temporary and I just kind of need to hang on a little bit and then it'll naturally come back into balance, which is I think the lie that we tell ourselves on top of the other lie that it's temporary is that somehow magically things will balance themselves. Instead, I think, and I'd love to have you talk about this a little bit more, you said, nope, 
I'm out of balance. This is not okay. If I'm going to get back in balance, it's not going to be because of magic. It's going to be because of intention. And then you set about that course. That's right. And so to me, it all comes back to boundaries. And this is for for years, for decades, my work didn't have any boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, I literally, if I was working in the afternoon and I didn't finish a project, no problem. I'll just go home, eat a quick dinner with the family, crack open my laptop and finish. Or if I didn't get the, the work done I needed to this week, no problem. I've got Saturday to do it. I could do it on Sunday night, you know, whatever. You know, there was just no boundaries. Um, yeah, I'm going to be on vacation, but I can answer email in the morning or I can get that work on the project that demands more intention and focus on my vacation. So right. so there was just this borderless kind of work style that didn't serve me and certainly didn't serve my family. Now, when I go back to what began to change for me was when I got into my first coaching relationship, executive coaching relationship, where I was the coachee and Daniel Harkavy was my coach. And he said to me, he said, you've got to establish hard boundaries. Now, this was good to get out of that kind of frame of mind, you know, where I'm going from one temporary thing to the next and just working all the time. But it's also helpful in what we're talking about today about resetting after Mm -hmm. a busy season. Yep. So I'm willing to let go those boundaries during that busy season. You know, say, okay, I am going to work this weekend or I'm going to work this evening, but I'm going to snap back to my boundaries. And one of the things that helps me best when I do that is to go ahead and schedule a vacation or some time off. Because I've, I've got to have that time where I can rest and recuperate, rejuvenate, and kind of get back on schedule. Okay. So here's the question now. This is in my mind and it's like, it's bothering me. How do you know when to allow yourself the occasional freedom to go out of balance? You know, maybe there's truly a crisis or an emergency that is not like a recurring crisis or emergency, but truly it's exceptional. And when you need to say, no, you're just not going to work this weekend. You're not going to work, you know, in the evening, you're going to hold your boundaries. So it's like there's this tension between necessary flexibility that's truly infrequent and the kind of quote unquote flexibility that becomes a betrayal of your boundaries if you aren't careful. So how do you how do you know which one is which? Well, that's a great question. And you know what I did in the past was I never did it in consultation with Gail. Mm-hmm. I informed her after the fact, like you know, babe, I'm going out of balance for a while. You know, and, and essentially what I was saying was deal with it, right? right? Or you don't know? call me on it. Yeah, don't call me on it. Exactly. So, for example, if you go back to the beginning of the pan- pandemic, where we realized that we had to pivot and we realized we had something to offer, long story short, we've told it on the story, I think, of the podcast before, but we created a course called Leading Through Crisis, and we did it in one week. Mm-hmm. So from the moment we made the decision to do the course, create the content, shoot the videos, write the course book, create the webinar to sell it, from the time we had that first idea to the time it was in the marketplace was one week. Now, during that week, I was I worked through the weekend, and I was working like 12-hour days. Mm-hmm. But here's what I did at the beginning that was different this time than it would have been, say, 20 years ago. So I went to Gail, and I said, honey, here's what we're thinking about doing. Here's why I want to do it, but I need some accountability. And I, I, I don't want this to bleed into the next thing that makes this permanent. So I need you to hold my, me accountable. But more importantly, I want your input and I want your feedback before we 
venture into this. And she, of course, was very enthusiastic about the project. And she said, absolutely. And let's just schedule some downtime. So when you get through this, and so I think the week after we launched this, I took a four-day weekend just to kind of rest and recuperate. Yeah. Well, I think that is a helpful way to think about it, as well as thinking, how frequently is this happening for me? You know, if, if you step back, maybe you're in the middle or you've just come through a really busy time, you're feeling out of balance, you're feeling the need to have those edges again, uh, or maybe you're finally realizing you need them at all because it's just not working anymore for you. The question is, how often is this happening? You know, in our company, one of our values is intentional margin. And the way we think about that is, is that people are working a normal workday. In our case, uh, now that's nine to three. We're working toward nine to three for everybody, I should say. Um, and we don't work nights and weekends 85% of the time. So that's how we understand it. So 15% of the time, roughly, if somebody went out of bounds and needed to work on a project at night or on the weekends, that would be okay. If it gets to be though much more than that, what we know is that that's compromising your health, your most important relationships, and your contribution to your work. That's not okay. You know, so so what we're not saying is absolute hard perfection because that's not realistic that's right. and that'll cause you to give up. And if you're a business owner or a leader, you're going to have things come up that are emergencies from time to time. You know, some HR thing is going to come up right when you're walking out the door and you've got to deal with it or, you know, some product that you launch doesn't work and you've got to fix that. So things are going to happen. But if it's happening more than a handful of times a year, then you probably have a problem. You know, you ha you probably have a boundary problem. And I think that's useful to have some way to measure it and even potentially to communicate to your spouse or your business partner or a close friend or a coach so that they can hold you accountable so you can understand if you're veering outside of that, if you're kind of not being honest with yourself about what this looks like. Because if you said, you know, hey, I have five times a year where I'm going to work a weekend or I'm going to have to work long days throughout a week, you're probably going to be fine, right? You know, the majority of your time yeah. consistently is in balance, it's healthy, you're attending to the things that matter, you're not making compromises that have long-term consequences. But if you get outside of that too far, you're going to start seeing the crack show and it's not good. You're definitely not achieving the double win in that scenario. That's definitely right. And for me, it's paying attention to some things that are outside of work that tend to go by the wayside during these times. So for example, if I stop working out, that's a sign. Yeah. Right? If um, I start eating a lot of junk food, that's a sign. Like a stress response. It's like a stress response, exactly. And it's and it's also indicative of the fact that I don't really have the time. You know, if I start, you know, bowing out of uh, visiting my parents, there'd be a good example. You know, if I'm too busy to vi visit my parents, then I'm out of balance. And, you know, if I'm too busy, busy to visit with my kids, you know, or I start making excuses why I can't be at family things, those are all indicative. And if you find yourself in that situation you know, it's time to look in the mirror and it doesn't mean you can't finish what you're you're in the middle of, but this is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, like when it comes to, you know, the food you eat, I like pizza and I'm going to occasionally eat pizza. But if I'm eating pizza three times a day, seven days a week, that's not a good thing. Right. You know, that's not going to be good for my, what I'm trying to do with my health. And so the same thing I think is when, you're, when your work schedule goes out of balance, you just got to be very careful. Occasionally, it's going to be fine. Don't be too hard on yourself. But you got to have a mechanism for snapping back in into place. And I think the multiple layers of accountability is good. I mean, I've got a got a trainer that works with me. And during that month, that ramp up to best year ever, in the back of my mind the entire time, I, I realize that I'm not working out. And I know that she's going to call me out on it. 
as well as as Gail. Now she's very gracious, very gentle, but at the same time, that is a gift to me. I don't resent those multiple layers of accountability. I want people to call me out on that stuff because I don't want to get into the habit. And I know that frankly, when it comes to being a workaholic, I'm a recovering addict. Okay, so Megan, am I am I alone in this, or have you struggled with this too? I think I have, but maybe differently. So a couple things. First of all, I'm the oldest. If you're listening to us and you're a new listener, I'm the oldest in our family of five girls, and so I was a you know adolescent and teenager in those years when you were working too much. So I remember vividly what that was like. I remember you working on projects at night. You know those many of those memories are not great. We've talked about that a lot. You know we've healed from all that. You know. All, all the good things have come on the other side, but it, it was costly to our family. And as it is with any kind of um, addiction, you know, you said you're a recovering workaholic, recovering addict. And I think that's, that's true. Um, so for me, that cautionary tale has been in the back of my mind for a long time. I think the other thing that's different about our situation is, you know, you were talking about uh, these hard edges and these boundaries, and I have five children and my younger three children have special needs. And so, you know, my boundaries are like little people. <laughs> and and those those little folks are not very forgiving. You know, Joel might be more forgiving of me, but they're not. I mean, they don't understand that this is really important and I've got to do it. So um, I think that when we adopted our middle boys, which was in 2011, I've shared this a number of times publicly but I quickly realized that the only way for me to help them to heal from their early traumatic experiences, you know, any child that is placed for adoption had a hard story before that happened. Um, if I was going to be part of their healing journey, I was going to have to work my life around their needs in such a way, particularly my professional life, such that I could be present with them. And I certainly have not always done that perfectly. And I often feel the tension between their needs and the needs of the business. And that can be really difficult. Um, but that has resulted in me putting some hard edges in that I can't get too far out of whack on, or the consequences are right there in my face. Like they don't lag, you know, there's no, there's no lagging consequences. The consequences are today. Like you walk in the door and you were gone too long. Like tonight this is a rare event that I have a long appointment after work. And then I'm on a board with a local nonprofit and we have an event tonight virtually, and I won't be home till nine o'clock that I can't even tell you the last time that happened. That means I'm going to miss bedtime with my kids. And that means in the morning, they're going to be like, where were you? And clingy and probably fussy, you know, our baby in particular. And so you can't do that very many times without paying the price. Um, I'll tell you where it shows up for me, though. It's not so much in work where I get out of balance. It can be on my self-care because it's very mm -hmm. easy for me to prioritize work, prioritize the kids, have that kind of figured out. But if something's going to give, it's probably going to be my self-care. And that's really where I found myself this summer. So this summer, it was kind of like, you know, those early months of the pandemic, you know, everybody was out walking all the time. And, and at the same time, we had all that adrenaline at the beginning, if you guys remember back to that period. Well, all of a sudden, the adrenaline starts to wear off, the exhaustion sets in, I realized I've been eating junk food, probably had more margaritas than normal, probably a few of you can relate to that. And I was like, this is not sustainable. You know, this is not going to end well. I'm now a 40 year old mother of a toddler who I need to be around for a long term. And I decided I've really got to prioritize my health and my nutrition and my movement and all those things. And that's been a huge focus for me since about August 
you know, in the summer and just really putting myself again back on the list. So I feel like that's where I have to really pay attention is that can fall kind of to the wayside in favor of meeting those hard obligations that I have. And so whichever way you are, whether it's you tend to overwork or you tend to get out of balance on your self-care, the consequences are big on either side. And you've got to have things in place where you can get yourself back, back in business, so to speak. The question is, people still do do this. Like people still do sort of run, get rid of those margins. They neglect their children. They neglect their spouse. How do you rationalize that you don't have to? You know, you see like there's the, and I know that's like a central component of the whole message here, but it's not like, do you have friends who struggle with this more than you do, who are also Mm -hmm. executives, business owners and stuff? And, and, you know, I'm not trying to call them out, but how is it that they get to that place and what's the difference between you and them? Yeah. I mean, I think the answer to that is you have a vision for something else that you're constantly living in reference to. And so you have people and you have people in your life and you have literally written vision for your life that says, Hey, reality is not matching this right now, you know, and we need to get back in balance. I think so often people don't have any vision for what they want. They're just drifting through their life and they're just doing the next series of things. Totally. Yeah. And as, as I think about it, I think, you know, at my age, you know, the battle's the battle. It's going to come and go. There'll be another one next week and there'll be another one the week after. But I'm in this to win the war. And so if I get to, if I, if I spend all my ammunition to push this metaphor probably too far, if I, if I spend all my ammunition on this one battle, you know, I could win the battle but lose the war. Right. And, and work is important, but it's not the only thing in life. And, and at the end of the day, it's not, for me, it's not even the most important thing in life. You know, it's it's certainly a place where I can fulfill my calling and have a sense of reward and satisfaction, but there'll be a point in the future at some point that I either choose to or can't work, and then what do I got? And unfortunately, so many people wake up at that point and realize with regret that they've sold their health, they've sold out their family, they've sold out their friendships. They've they've sacrificed all those on the altar of their career, and now their career's gone, and they're like, what do I have left? You know, there comes a point where, you know, all the money, all the acclaim, all the things you get from work is a currency that no longer has any value. And, and if you read all those studies about people, the regrets they have on their deathbed, you know, not one of them said, has ever said, no one has ever said, you know, I, I wish I'd spent more time at work. Mm-hmm. So I just think we've got to we've got to be playing the long game and we've got to keep perspective. And perspective comes usually with age, but I think that anybody at any age can seek wisdom and perspective. And I think those are kind of one and the same thing. But to realize that that I want to be here, I want to pace myself. And I've had the experience, Megan. I know you've run some half marathons too, but we've all we've all had that experience of being on the starting line. And even though we've trained for it. Even though we know we shouldn't be going out of the gate so fast, we're kind of drunk on our own adrenaline and everybody else's enthusiasm, and we go out too fast, and if we're not careful, we won't finish. As cliche as it may sound, we have to pace ourselves. And what that looks like is that we have to make room for rest, for rejuvenation, for just kind of plugging back into the things that matter so that we can continue to run and continue to go the distance. 
Okay, well, let's switch gears and just talk about practically for a second. So if you're sitting there and realizing, hey, I've let myself get out of of balance, or I've just wrapped up a season where I really didn't hold the boundaries that I wanted. Let's talk about some practical ways that you can find your way back to balance. The first one that, by the way, comes to mind for me is to re-engage in your daily rituals. That's good. You know, those are the things that for me, when I'm practicing those consistently, which the one I'm the most consistent with and almost never let go of is my morning ritual. I just, you know, I feel like I live and die by that. And if, if I'm out of whack, if I will go back to that, it's, it's just so orienting. Yep. And I think it's, it's what you're really speaking to is kind of putting the scaffolding mm-hmm. back into place. Yep. Like if you break your arm, they typically put a cast of some sort so that the bone can heal and so that it can grow back straight. Well, the scaffolding for your life are those rituals, but I would say also the hard boundaries. Me too. I, I was going to say that's the second thing for me too. Yeah. And so, I, I, you know, one of the things that, that Daniel Harkavy asked me when I first began coaching with him was he said, can you commit to a daily time that you're going to quit? And at that point I said 6 p.m., mm-hmm. which sounds late to me now because we quit at <laughs> three in the afternoon. But at the time, you know, that was like, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet here and I'm going to quit at six. Okay, that means no work after six. And Daniel said, I'm going to call Gail and check in with her occasionally just to make sure that you're keeping the commitment. You know, I'm not holding you to your commitment. I'm just going to make sure that you're holding yourself to the commitment. Okay, great. So I think it starts there. And and as we've talked about many times in our coaching practice and in our courses and books, and that is that there's there's incredible power in constraint. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that it's it's like we've always said before, you know, like on a on a Friday afternoon, right before you go on a one-week vacation, you're never more productive than that afternoon. Because you realize that you're up against the clock, the plane's leaving when it's waiting, they're not going to wait for you, you've got to get done what you're going to do. So you don't fool around. You know, probably not checking social media, you're probably not getting involved in trivial conversations or trivial pursuits, you're head down getting it done. And when you have a hard boundary in the evening like that, or in the morning, or you're not going to work on the weekends, that that forces you to make better decisions and actually raises your productivity. Yeah, I love that one. I, I think that is probably the secret to the boundaries that I've had. I've worked nine to three for years and years and years because of my children. And I just decided that was mission critical. And I was going to figure out how to do my job in that amount of time. And I have. You know, it, it's been really neat to see that that has not compromised my effectiveness, our ability to produce at all. In fact, it's probably made it better. You know, for people that are listening to this, they're probably but they're probably thinking well, we've heard this before, and I, it might have been uh, the the football coach Vince Lombardi who always talked about getting to the basics, who would hold up a football at the beginning of the season and say, "Gentlemen, this is a football." <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes you have to get back to the basics like that. The third thing that I would add, so we've talked so far about uh, about getting those morning rituals back into place. We've talked about hard boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about calendar triage. Yes. I love calendar triage. In fact, this is something that I have done m- myself. You and I do it frequently when we find ourselves overwhelmed. But it's something I do with my executives or encourage them to do often uh, when they get overwhelmed. So why don't you explain to our listeners What we mean by calendar triage and how do you do it? Okay. So if you have an executive assistant, they can be your ally in this, but you don't need one to be able to do it. 
Um, so basically what you do if you're finding yourself overwhelmed is you open up your calendar, you look at it for the next 30 days, uh, at least the next two weeks, but you know, preferably the next 30 days. And you just ask yourself the question, okay, what can be postponed? What can be canceled? Start with cancel. Okay. So, you know, just stuff you could not do, you know, maybe, uh, you were going to, um, you know, go to an event that you could really just bow out of and nobody would know the difference. Now, maybe there are things that you could postpone, like maybe you had a routine doctor's appointment that if you waited two or four weeks, it wouldn't matter at all. You know, you have a dentist appointment or an eye appointment or something like that. You could just wait. Or maybe you have coffee with someone that's just social and it wouldn't matter if it waited. You will be amazed with just those two things, how many things you can clear out of your calendar and make room for. And what you'll find in your body, your physical body, is that you feel like you're exhaling. Like all of a sudden you can breathe. There's breathing room in your calendar. It's like cleaning out your closet. It's like cleaning out your closet. You're like, I'm not wearing this stuff anyway, you know? But then the other thing is, you know, you can also go through and you can ask, is there anything here that someone else could do? Yes. This is a question that I ask with my chief of staff, Erin, almost every week. You know, she'll bring stuff to me and she'll say, well, could Joel do that meeting for you? Do you really need to go to that meeting? Do you think you could accomplish that by creating a project vision caster document for that? Or you could have a 15 minute phone call. For that, And she's always challenging, do you really need to be there or could somebody else do it? And if you look at those areas, what you could cancel, what you could postpone, and really what you could delegate, I promise you, you could probably take half the things out of your calendar. You know, it's, it's important to remember that this came from the world of uh, battlefield medicine, triage. And so on a battlefield, after there was a big battle, the uh, doctors that were available would divide the people that were injured into three groups. Those that were going to survive without medical care, those are going to that were going to die even if they got medical care, and then the big middle group, those that could where they could make a difference, and so they basically said, "No, we're not going to help the first group or the last group because we can't make a difference." Hmm. And this is important to remember when you think about your meetings too, right? So, which meetings will do just fine without me? Maybe I've traditionally gone, but they know the drill; they'll survive fine. They'll do fine without me. Which are the ones that even if I'm there, and even if I were to speak up, I probably can't make a difference. But the place to start is those meetings where you really can make a difference. And even then, like you have demonstrated, uh, Megan, there's ways to deal with those that don't require your presence or your participation in the way that you've traditionally done it. Mm -hmm. Well, I love this. These are just such practical ideas for how you can bring yourself back in balance, you know, going back to your daily rituals. By the way, if you're a full focus planner user, you can go right there in the front of your planner and you can sketch out new rituals. Maybe they need to be updated so they're relevant to your season of life now. Maybe things have changed. Then the next thing would be to remind yourself and recommit yourself of your hard boundaries and find somebody to hold you accountable. I think that's really, really important, whether that's a spouse or a coach or business partner. And then also do some calendar triage. I really feel like if you do those three things, all of a sudden, you're going to feel much less overwhelmed. It's going to all of a sudden feel possible for you to find balance again. It's not going to feel like an uphill battle in the way that it does right now. The one thing that I would add is kind of the fourth item is go ahead and schedule some time, block some time where you're going to get away from work. Maybe Mm. it's a long weekend. Maybe it's a one-week vacation. Maybe the most you can do is a day, but you've got to have a time when you, you know, we, we do best when we surge and then we rest. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be that planned rest time. And if you're waiting for your boss to tap you on the shoulder, your clients to tap you on your shoulder and say, hey, I think you need to take a couple of days off. That's not going to happen. You've got to claim that on your calendar for yourself. 
Well, guys, I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope that you kind of see a path from where you are today, possibly overwhelmed, possibly feeling out of balance to finding your way back to balance through some really practical steps. Um, As we've just shared candidly about our own lives, this is a normal part of life. The key is to just not let it become too normal or too frequent so you don't get too out of balance. But it's easy to come back when you do, um, just using these simple strategies that we shared with you guys today. All right, well, we look forward to seeing you next week here on the podcast. Until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Task Delegator, a new tool to help you automate, delegate, and eliminate tasks so you can achieve the double win. Download it for free at leadto.win/delegator.